Welcome to Lessons for Living Television. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for joining us. Carl Sagan once said, we live on a hunk of rock and metal that circles a humdrum star that is one of 400 billion other stars that make up the Milky Way galaxy, which is one of billions of other galaxies which make up a universe which may be one of a very large number, perhaps an infinite number of other universes. That is a perspective on human life and our culture that is well worth pondering. Well, Carl Sagan died in 1996, probably the most brilliant evolutionist. He only knew that the universe existed. He didn't know how it existed. He didn't know why it existed. And most importantly, he didn't know who the creator was. I just think that's sad. British philosopher Dr. Anthony Flew is a leading spokesperson for atheism. He was actively involved in debate after debate. However, scientific discoveries in the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years brought him to a conclusion he could not avoid. In a video interview, he stated, superintelligence is the only good explanation for the origin of life and the complexity of nature. Prominent in his conclusion were the discoveries of DNA. Well, here's why. Let me try to explain this. Again, I'm not a scientist, but DNA in our cells is very similar to an intricate uh, computer program. You probably know a computer program is made up of a series of ones and zeros. It's called binary code. The sequencing and ordering of these ones and zeros, it what makes the computer program work properly. Well, in the same way, our DNA is made up of four chemicals abbreviated by the letters A, T, G, and C. So much like the ones and zeros, these letters are arranged in a human cell like this. You know, C, G, T, G, T, G, A, C, T, C, G, C, T, C, C, T, G, A, T, and so on and so on. I mean, you get the picture. The order in which they are arranged instructs these actions of the cell. Now, what's amazing is that within that tiny space, in every cell, in your body and my body, this code, ready? This code is three billion letters long. Now, to get an idea of the amount of DNA information in one cell, a live reading of that code at a rate of three letters per second would take 31 years, even if the reading continued day and night. Wait, there's more. It has been determined that 99.9% .9 of your DNA is similar to mine, to everyone's genetic makeup. What is unique in you comes in the fractional difference in how those three billion letters are sequenced in your cells. Now you see, the Canadian government is able to identify every one of us, everyone in this country, by the arrangement of a nine-digit number. We call it the social insurance number. Yet, 
inside every cell, every cell in you, every cell in me, there is a three billion lettered DNA structure that belongs only to you. This code identifies you and continually instructs your cells how to behave. Now, Dr. Francis Cullen, director of the Human Genome Project, that was the project that mapped the human DNA structure, said that one can think of DNA as an instructional script, a software program sitting in the nucleus of the cell. Perry Marshall, an information specialist, comments on the implications of this. There has never existed a computer program. Now listen, there's never existed a computer program, he says, that wasn't designed. Whether it is a code or a program or a message given through a language, there has always been an intelligent mind behind it. Just as former atheist Dr. Flew questioned, it is legitimate to ask oneself regarding this three billion letter code instructing the cell, who wrote this script? Who placed this working code inside the cell? It's like, I don't know, you're walking along the beach and you look down at the sand and you see written in the sand, Mike loves Michelle. You know, the waves are rolling up on the beach. You know that they didn't form that. A person wrote it. It is a precise message. It is clear. It's clear communication. In the same way, the DNA structure is a complex three billion lettered script informing and directing the process of the cell. How can you explain this sophisticated message coding residing in our cells? On June the 26, 2000, then President Clinton congratulated those who had completed the human genome sequencing. President Clinton then said, Today we are learning the language in which God created life. We are gaining ever more awe for the complexity, the beauty, the wonder of God's most divine and sacred gift. Dr. Francis Collins, the director of the Human Genome Project, followed President Clinton to the podium and he stated the following. It's humbling, he said, for me and awe-inspiring to realize that we have caught the first glimpse of our own instruction book previously known only to God. You see, looking at the DNA structure within the human body, we cannot escape the presence of intelligent, I would add, incredibly intelligent design. Now, according to the Bible, which in itself is incredibly complex, God is not only the author of our existence, but he is the relationship that makes our existence meaningful. All the intangibles in life that we crave, enough strength for any situation, joy, wisdom, knowing we are loved, God alone gives these to us, and as we listen to him and trust him, you see, God is our greatest reliable guide in life. Just as he has engineered the DNA to instruct the cells, he offers to instruct us to make our lives function well for his glory, 
for our sake, because he loves us. Thus, the name of our program, Lessons for Living. Now, the complexities in our world don't end there. Now, according to the Royal Albert Museum, entomologists are estimating that there are between 5 million and 150 million species of insects on Earth. A leafcutter ant, the queen, mates only once. Only once, just before establishing a new colony. It says that she can keep the sperm viable for up to 15 years and produce as many as 300 million offspring. They said there are more than 300,000 species of beetles, making them the largest order of insects in the world. The fastest known insect is a dragonfly that has been clocked at some 58 kilometers an hour. How about the Earth? You know, the Earth is 25,000 miles in circumference. It weighs 6 septillion 586 trillion tons. It hangs in empty space, spins at 1,000 miles an hour with perfect balance. And that's important so that you're not just jumping every time the Earth moves. At the same time that it's spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, it's moving through space around the sun at 1,000 miles a minute in an orbit of some 580 million miles. And it does so at such a perfect angle and it's so that it creates the seasons, which provides all the crops which feed its inhabitants. Your heart, that heart beating in your chest right now, it's about the size of your fist. It weighs less than half a pound. It pumps some 1,800 plus gallons of blood a day. It does enough work in 12 hours to lift 65 tons off the ground. The sun. Do you know that the sun burns some 4 million tons of matter per second? Consider things that are very small, like the atom. They're not visible. We know they exist, but to this day, we're not, they're not visible. Atoms are so small, it takes three atoms to make up one water molecule. If you were to take every water molecule in one drop of water and then blow that molecule up so that each molecule was the size of a grain of sand, okay, you'd have enough grains of sand to make a road one foot thick, one half mile wide, that would stretch from Toronto all the way to Vancouver. <laughs> and this all happened by accident? <laughs> come on, come on. We're continuing our study of the creation week, and we've come down to day five. Let's turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, beginning down at verse 20. Then God said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the water swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. There was evening, there was morning, a fifth day. 
so how did the universe come into existence? Well, you've been, been following our study. You know it came into existence exactly the way it's described in the opening chapter of the Bible, which is inspired by God. In six days, God created the entire universe pretty much the way it is now. And we've been seeing through this study that that was about six or 7,000 years ago, and that's all. The Bible is very clear. God created it all in six literal days. Now, day one, God created the material and light. Day two, the seas and the heavens. Day three, the earth and the vegetation. Day four, the lights, the luminaries, the moon, the stars, the sun. Now we've come to day five. We just read it. And it has to do with God creating all the creatures that populate the seas and the skies. This is the day when God is completing the home for man and he creates the first living beings, right? The first living beings. Now, verse 20 says, swarms of living creatures. That's the first time anything is said to be living. You see, the plants aren't so designated. I mean, they're organisms. They have a you know, they have life, but it's not a conscious life. The first living beings created by God came on day five. There's a sequence here that I think is quite interesting. Day five corresponds to day two as day four corresponds to day one. See, on day one, God created light. On day four, he created the stellar bodies to be the light givers. On day two... He created the seas and the heavens. And on day five, he populated the seas and the heavens. On day three, he created the earth and its vegetation, corresponding to what we will see on day six, when he created the animals and man to populate the earth and to consume its vegetation. So these parallels run consistently through the creation week. Now, as we look at the text, our text for today, there are two phases to this day five creation. First phase, the creation of conscious life. And then second phase would be the creation of reproductive life. Two things are clearly identified for us. Conscious life, that's living creatures who are conscious. That is, they react to their environment. They move around from place to place. Plants do not obviously move. And secondly, reproductive life. Now, verse 20, let's pick it up at the text. It says, then God said, that's always the method of creation. God speaking non-existent things into existence. Then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures. So first of all, he filled the waters. Now in Hebrew, it would be something like this. Let the waters swarm with swarming things. It's, uh, it's, it's a repetition. It's the same in verse 11. Let the earth sprout vegetation. Actually, in Hebrew, it's more like, let the earth vegetate with vegetation. Right? Here, it's, let the water swarm with swarming things, swarm with swarming living things, or swarm with swarming things that are live. Swarm is the word that is chosen here because it gives us this idea of movement. And I remind you that the distinctiveness of living creatures is that they move. Plants are not called living creatures because they aren't mobile. They don't move. 
living creatures move. In fact, he filled the sea so that the verb here is to swarm. Again, it pictures a large population of these creatures in motion. This is the first time we really have a living creature that moves on its own. Plants have no such life in the sense that creatures do because plants can't move and they're not conscious. Living things are conscious. Though animals are not self-conscious, they respond to their environment as individuals, but they're not aware of that response. It's, it's, it's purely a mechanism that we refer to as instinct. They're not self-conscious. They do not know they're alive. They do not know they're dead. They do not know one another. They do not communicate with one another in any personal sort of self-conscious ways, although instinctively they are under tremendous control by the DNA codes that have been given to them for the preservation of their species and the function of their species as God has designed it. You see, a monumental thing takes place here. God creates conscious beings that can move and they move through the sea in swarms. That's a picture of a massive amount of creative beings. When God created the fish and all those mammals, those animals, whether you're talking about fish or you're talking about the whales or eels or plankton, when God created all of that, there was no evolutionary process. He literally, in a moment, spoke it all into existence, all the creatures that swim. He just instantaneously, at the same moment, on the same day, he called them all into existence. The Bible doesn't suggest that they were somehow in a process of development as a species evolved into another species and mutated into another species. They were all instantaneously creative in massive swarms moving through the seas. Verse 20 indicates the same thing. Let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. Now notice, he doesn't talk about swarming here because there wasn't such a dense creation of birds. We know that today. If you look at the depths of the sea, you know, the depths that haven't been significantly polluted, you will find that almost an uncountable, limitless amount of life. You look into the air and of course there are less birds than there are fish in the sea. So you find it here that it doesn't use this same word swarming. It says, let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heaven. They're free to fly literally, in the Hebrew would say, they're free to fly on the face of heaven. Everything that lives in the sea, everything that lives in the sky, God created the way it is in its own species. By the way, there couldn't be any progress, any mutation, any natural selection because God saw it all and it was good. There was no death in the universe at all. There was no death in the world at that time. At that time, nothing yet had died. So day five first brought the creation of conscious life. Secondly, reproductive life. And that's what it says in verse 22. And God blessed them saying, now here's the blessing. He granted them this benefit. The blessing is a benefit. He said, be fruitful and multiply 
and fill the waters in the sea and let the birds multiply on the earth. Now, obviously, birds don't fill the heaven above, but they do multiply. Fish tend to fill the waters of the sea. Be fruitful and multiply. So man's house now is built. It's now ready for his occupancy. And the crown of creation is coming on day six. You know what's so sad about this to me? Is that man refuses to see God in creation. You know, in my assessment, there's no way to examine this chapter and come out with evolution. Charles Dickens once wrote, the whole difference between construction and creation is exactly this, that a thing constructed can only be loved after it is constructed, but a thing created is loved before it exists. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. You know what? Let me give you my opinion on this. It in my opinion, is a dishonor to God to believe anything other than what Genesis says. To make complex, the complex diversity of this created universe a product of chance, then that is giving chance more credit than God. And chance, it doesn't even exist. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your love, the kindness, the mercy, and the grace that you bestow upon all of us, undeserving as we are. God, we have been studying how you have created this planet in such a loving way, a place where your children would inhabit. Father, if there's anyone within the sound of my voice that hasn't given their heart over to Jesus yet, if anyone is still wrestling with the fact that you are the creator, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will illuminate their minds and bring peace into their lives and that you will reveal yourself and who you are to them. Thank you for loving us. Forgive us where we have failed you. And please bless each and every viewer. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to the time in our program where we have our special offer. You know, every week we'd like to offer you a resource to help you better understand the topic that we've been studying. And today is no exception. I have this wonderful little book for you today. It's called Choose You This Day. And it asks the question, why it matters what you believe about creation. It is a wonderful little book. It's, it's not a very long book. You can probably sit down in one sitting. You can read it but it has some incredible information. We'd like to give it to you. It's a gift. There's no obligation on your part. This will show up at your home, postage paid. 
no cost whatsoever to you. If you would like to receive this book, here's the information you need to get your copy. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. I want to thank you again that you've taken the time and you've spent these 30 minutes with us. I hope you're appreciating uh, this series on creation. I appreciate the feedback that we're getting on social media. Um, most of it positive. Some folks have some questions. That's okay. That's okay to question. I'm just sharing with you what I, what I believe based on my study of Scripture. I want to remind you of a couple of things. Uh, when you're ordering the gift, be patient. We have a few volunteers, maybe busy. Don't just, you can leave a voicemail if you like. We'll, we'll get that and we'll follow up with you. Uh, sometimes the gifts take a little bit longer to get to you than we would like. I may be traveling, there may be other impediments. So just be patient. If some time has gone by and we happen to have missed you and not sent you the gift, don't hesitate to contact us again and say, hey, listen, I haven't received my gift. We appreciate that, that prompting. Uh, the website, l4ltv.com. On the website, all of the previous programs are there where I will be appearing live. Most Saturdays, I'm at my church, the Harmony Adventist Church in Toronto, the Bayview and Steeles area. There's a link there. There's a, you can click on it. It'll show you exactly how to get to my church there most Saturdays. On the l4ltv.com website, you can also make a donation to help keep this ministry going, help pay for the studio time, help pay for the gifts we hand out, uh, help to pay for the broadcast time when you're on the network, you're watching us right now. All of the money you commit, uh, first of all, we're a charitable organization, so it's all tax deductible, and none of it comes to pay my salary. It all gets reinvested directly in the ministry so that the message can be proclaimed throughout this country and around the world so Jesus can return. I also want to draw your attention to another website, missionnowcanada.com. That's the division or the part of our ministry that deals with overseas missions. Uh, we go into the Philippines. We're doing a lot of work in Paraguay, in the South American country of Paraguay. Some really neat stuff. It's there on the website. If you're interested in joining the mission trip, you can write to us. If you're interested in donating specifically for the mission work, you can do it on the Mission Now canada.com website they are telling me i am all out of time so let me thank you again for being here why not be back again next time
I'll be praying that you'll join us. Until then, God bless you. And we'll get a chance to do this again real soon.